Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. Beautiful job, man. The arrangement, all that y'all did there, fantastic. The flow of the singers. Can we give it up for all of our musicians and artists? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Well, we're excited to have you here for Sunday Night Church at our Fondren campus. Uh, It's always a joy and a privilege. If you're new, welcome to Word of Life Church. I pray you find community I pray you find people to do life with. Um, You know, I believe in the power of God that in a moment can change anything. But I've also been in church as long as I can be been alive. And I've seen that even if God changed you in a moment, if you don't take the time to renew your mind and find different company, the very thing that God saved you from will be the very thing you find yourself back in. Uh, We have to go on a journey to renew our minds, and we have to go on a journey to find a company of believers that we can do life with, people of the same spirit, uh, and people who understand the things of the spirit. And so I want to encourage you, don't just come to church, get to know the church. And the church is not the building, the church is the people. The term church is the Greek word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. Uh, And so we are the church, we are the dwelling place of God. Um, And so get to know each other, stay a little longer, come a little earlier, go to dinner with somebody, invite someone to dinner, Uh, you know, and get to know people because a good Christian friend uh, can take you very far in life. It's dangerous to do life alone. Uh, So for everyone listening to podcasts, can we give it up to everyone who's listening to podcasts? Uh, I had no idea, like these services, our Sunday night services, are our most podcasted services of people listening to these more than they listen to really anything else. Uh, And so it's uh, amazing to see how this has been really a fulfillment of prophecy. The Lord told us that this place would be a place that would feed many. And I had no idea what that meant until I saw the podcast report. And I'm like, well, there you go. I guess a lot of people are eating of this spiritually. Uh, and so we're always honored to have you tune in. We're in the middle of a series on Moses and the children of Israel. And we left off two weeks ago on Moses taking God's people by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so let's go over there and look at that passage of Scripture. It's found in the book of Exodus. Uh, And I think that this will be a blessing to all of our hearts tonight. Exodus chapter 13, and we'll look at verse number 17. Uh, While you're turning, I'll just go to the Lord. Father, we humbly come before you. Speak to us, speak through us. Uh, Father, at the end of this service, uh, we thank you, Father, that you are the only one who receives any credit. Use this as just a vehicle to speak to your people. Um, I believe as you already have, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So the children of Israel have been let go. God's leading them to the promised land. How many of you know God's trying to lead you to a promised land? 
Amen. Uh, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land that has no restrictions, a land of freedom. Uh, God's will for you is freedom, that you're not bound by sin, you're not bound by Pharaoh, you're not bound by addiction, you're not bound by poverty, you're not bound by lack, that you are free, free in Jesus. He's trying to take us to that land. But what's interesting here is when God is delivering them from the children uh, of Egypt and over into the promised land, the Bible tells us he does not take them the easy way. Instead, he leads them through the wilderness. And let's look at this here, Exodus 13 and verse number 17. Um, Now, when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the uh, way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near, one translation says, easier. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, uh, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you will carry my bones with you from here. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness." Now the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day. We said this is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. In a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way. And in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God is leading his people to the promised land, and I think this is very interesting. The only way they will get there is by the direction of the cloud, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. You will never get into God's plan for your life unless you draw intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I think that that's what God was trying to speak to us earlier through prophecy. Prophecy is just inspired utterance. It's not something weird or flaky. You don't have to be alarmed by it. It's just when man stops speaking and God starts speaking. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible says we should all covet to do that. We should all covet to prophesy and to to speak for God in the the earth. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But anyway, uh, we see that in order for them to get to the promised land, they are going to have to follow the cloud. And we said cloud by day in the desert, you can sense it. And when people say they hear from God, I want you to think in terms of this way. Uh, If you're in the desert and there's a big cloud and you're in the shadow of the cloud, you can sense it. Um, It's not near as hot in the shadow of the cloud in the desert. Um, At night, the desert gets very cold. It, It turned from a cloud by day. It turned into a fire by night. And when you're cold and you get closer to the fire, you don't just have to see it. You can sense it. Um, And so we're paying attention to our spiritual senses. And here, God's spiritual senses was leading them, not the easy way, but leading them into what is called the wilderness. Now, we looked through two weeks ago and saw that this was not just a one-off for the children of Israel. This happened all throughout Scripture, that Jesus was led into the wilderness, that Joseph was led into a wilderness-type season, that David was led into the wilderness, that John the Baptist was led into the wilderness. Uh, We went through all these different examples showing you biblically that when God does his best work, oftentimes it is done in the wilderness. 
And so in your life, for you to get into God's will, you will have to go through your own wilderness season. And some of you may be there right now. Um, And if you are, it's okay. Uh, We want to read the signs of the times. In my life, um, I have gone through two wilderness. Uh, One was, um, uh, you know, when I first started pastoring. The other one was about two years ago, um, where I just went through some things where God was refining me. Um, and I've learned to embrace the wilderness. In fact, when I look back at my life, I see the wilderness was the most beneficial times in my walk with him. It's not a bad thing. It is if you don't learn your lesson, uh, because how long you're in the wilderness depends entirely upon you learning that lesson. For Jesus, it was 40 days. For the children of Israel, it was 40 years. Uh, so you get to pick how long you're in it. Uh, but God's will ultimately is not uh, the wilderness. It is the promised land. But God will not take you to the promised land until you're ready. And that's what the wilderness is for. The wilderness is to get you ready. And so we talked about what the wilderness is and what it's not. We said, here's some of the things that the wilderness is. Uh, Number one, we'll just run through these. It's a dream going unfulfilled. We said in God, there's always um, uh, the revealing of a dream. God's showing your heart something that you could be, something you could do. Then there's preparation of the dream. And then there's uh, fulfillment of the dream. Uh, When you're in the wilderness, the dream is going unfulfilled. You think in your, your mind and in your heart, I think I should have already been there. Why is my life not making progress? Uh, secondly, uh, it's prolonged frustration over your lack of progress. So it's not only it's, <laughs> it's not being fulfilled, it's you're frustrated by it. It's like, I should be further along by now. Why am I circling the same mountain? Uh, why am I not seeing what I've been praying for? I'm praying for this. Why is God not giving it? Uh, I'm asking for this. Why is it not happening? Why am I not making progress? The wilderness season is prolonged frustration over lack of progress. It is isolation. Um, It is a time where you feel like oftentimes no one understands me and no one can quite identify what I'm going through. I'm watching others make progress, but for me it looks like I'm on the same level. Uh, it's, it's Joseph being in a pit and not seeing his brothers. It's Jesus being in the wilderness before he joins up with his disciples. Um, it is the children of Israel being in the middle of nowhere, and they're wondering where in the world everybody else is. You often feel a little isolated. It, it, in, in the wilderness season, oftentimes there are things that are being stripped from you, and some of those things are people. Um, and it's people who were with you aren't with you any longer. Things that were with you, they're not there any longer. So it's, it's not just like kind of moving towards the new. It's also the stripping away of the old. And sometimes that can be very hurtful because you feel like uh, you're a little isolated. Um, it is a severe inward testing. So it's not just like something on the outside where it's getting worse. But on the inside, it's manifold temptations that are trying to lure you into sin. And, and even out of this, we see this in Jesus' wilderness where the, the tempter came to him in a very private temptation, trying to lure him into disobedience. And it's this pull on your soul to sin. Uh, it's this pull on your soul to abandon your convictions, a pull on your soul to walk away from what you know God's will is. Uh, we said that uh, for the children of Israel, Pharaoh is a type and shadow of Satan, um, and Egypt is a type and shadow of the world. Their temptation was what? To constantly go back to it. As oppressive as it was, they had this temptation to go back to Pharaoh and go back to Egypt. 
And it's, it's, it's just as similar as to you. It's like for some of us, we know because we've been there how oppressive some of this sin is and how some of this thinking and actions and attitudes are. And it's like we're, we're in a season where we're pressing into God and genuinely like doing this Christian thing. But there is temptation that is coming telling us we could go back. And there's a temptation to try to go back to Egypt and go back to sin and go back to the taskmaster. Uh, And it's severe oftentimes, inward testing. Um, And and number five, it's a strong temptation to abandon your high calling and abandon your dreams entirely and just pick a new path. Uh, You see this with the children of Israel in their wilderness. It's like, what to God, we'd have just died uh, out there in, in, in Egypt versus coming all the way up and not being able to get into this promise. Uh, And so it's basically having this mindset of like, okay, I'll just now survive. I'll live. I'll create a good, safe life that's comfortable for me and my wife and live the American dream and get comfort in the house with the white picket fence and retire. Um, And there's no passion for a high calling. There's no pressing and leaving those things that are behind. It's just purely trying to survive and get comfortable versus pursuing what God has called you to. Uh, When you feel that of like it is enough and this like secret lying, fake, false contentment. Contentment is not like I'm not pressing for more. Contentment biblically is not delaying joy for more. Uh, so contentment is knowing how to prosper and, and, and also knowing how to be a base without joy ever being affected. That my joy does not rise with prosperity, nor does it sink with poverty. Uh, that I've learned how to be content and to count it all joy. But, but an unholy contentment is this drawing back. This shrinking back from what ultimately the heart knows God wants for me. And so many people are there. In fact, my big, can I be honest with you tonight? It's the Sunday night church. I think I can, be, I can be honest with the deep sheep. My biggest frustration in pastoring is I want more for people than they want for themselves. I'm telling you, it's my biggest frustration. Because I look and I like just even like not even being overly spiritually discerning, although there are moments where I am very spiritually discerning. But even in those moments where I'm not, I'm like, you could be so much more. Like you could do so much more for the kingdom and be so much more for the Lord and your gifts and your talents could take you so much further than you ever have possibly imagined. Um, but people abandon that high calling and they don't focus on like this one thing I do, I reach for those things that are out in front of me. They're like, you know, I'm not really reaching. I'm just trying to keep what I have. And, you know, just survive. And, like, isn't that enough? And it's like, well, no. Paul said this one thing I do. Like, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I forget what is behind me. And I press towards the mark that is in front of me. He said that I may apprehend that which I have been apprehended for. He's like, God went all through all this work to win my heart. And he did it because my life is supposed to win something for his kingdom. Uh, And so out of that, when I'm in this wilderness season, there is this temptation to just survive and to abandon the high calling and the dreams entirely and to just create a good, safe, cute life. 
uh, and these types of things and, and, and to forsake all of the adventure in Jesus and a life of faith of reaching for something else. And so we've all been there, and and this is what the wilderness season is. But what I want to do tonight is to begin to pasture you and to show you what to do when you're in these seasons. Um, and, And to answer these questions of like, why am I praying for this and it is not progressing? Why am I asking for this, but it seems like God's anointing is not breaking me through this? And I mentioned this two weeks ago. My father passed away when I was 17. On the way to his funeral, God spoke to me audibly. Now, I'm not a liar, um, especially about this. I would never lie about this. Um, it's the only time it's ever happened to me in life, but God spoke to me audibly on the way to his funeral. I literally turned around in the car because I thought someone was speaking to me. And he said, Joel, you'll be the next full-time pastor of Word of Life Church. Weeping will endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. You will have double the anointing of your father, and you will pastor this church. The Lord spoke that word to me two more times through a prophet. A prophet came and spoke those things over my life. And so my whole life changed in that moment where it's like the plan of God became real to me. And I knew what I was put on earth here to do to pastor this church. And so I get all excited about it. I'm like, I'm going to start pastoring this church. Everybody's going to love it. It's going to grow. It's going to be wonderful. Can't wait. Uh, we're going to build a building. We got land on Lakeland. It's so exciting. And I'm at Rama, which is the Bible school I went to. And we had like these architectural renderings of like what the church was going to look like. And I'm passing them out to different people. I'm like, this is what I'm going back to. And, you know, all these types of things. And I'm going to build the church. And then I finally come home and, and pastor the church. And it's all falling apart. And for literally two years of my existence, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. And you can't tell me I didn't love God. I I have never prayed more than in that season. And out of this, I'm praying literally all the time. I'm studying, I'm doing all these things, literally standing on God's word, seeing no progress. And I'm weeping, like I would literally go to bed weeping because I'm like, God, I know I am in your will. Like, I know I am doing what you want me to do. Like, this would be different if I was like sinning or like going to to Tarish when you asked me to go to Nineveh. But this is not that. Uh, Like, I didn't even want to do this. I never wanted to be in ministry. I am only here because you asked me to and spoke to me. And it's not working. And I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way where it's like, I thought I would be further along by this, by now. I I, I thought that like I would be seeing God do more. And I I thought that God would take me further. And like people have prayed over me and prophesied over me and I'm just not seeing any of it. And I would go, literally, I would go into meetings because at that time I was single, so I had more time. And I would go into a lot of meetings, like go hear other people preach. I kid you not, every single service I would get called out. Even if the minister didn't know me, and they would begin speaking God's promise over me. Um, And speaking God's dream, and speaking my high calling over me. It's like I couldn't get away from it. And then I'd, I'd hear God speak these things to my heart. But then I would look at my life, and I'm like, this is, like, what's in my heart is here? But life is like here. 
And I'm going back, back to, to my office. And I'm like, I'm giving up everything. Like, literally. You've heard me tell, but it's the truth. Like, I was making a quarter above minimum wage before I took this job. I'm like, God, for me to restart my life, like, this is not hard for me. I'm like, I can go back and find that type of income literally anywhere. Like, this is just one of those things where I'm not going to be a failure. Um, but it was like every single turn I was facing resistance. And, and no matter how hard I tried, there was no progress. And, and I would do all the tricks. I saw Joe Lowstein, like at that time, his father had passed away too, and Lakewood was exploding. I'm like, I'll open up every message with a joke, uh, like Joel, and smile while I talk. I'm like, all of these types of things. Tried the joke. I saw T.D. Jakes, love T.D. Jakes. I'm like, I will carry a towel. Like, I sweat, like, I sweat it a lot. So I got me a towel, like T.D. Jakes, and like that type of thing. And then Ed Young was on the scene there, Fellowship Church out in, in Texas, and he did illustrated sermons. And so I'm like, we'll try illustrated sermons. So I'm trying all of these things. None of it is working. It's all getting worse. And I, what I was in, I didn't know it. I was in a wilderness. And I didn't know why. And maybe some of you are there. It's like, I, I thought I would, would have this by now. I thought, I thought God would move more than he's moving. I thought I'd be out of debt, or I, I thought you know, I'd be married, or I thought we'd have the family, or I thought the house would be here, or I thought the job would be different, or I thought I'd be in ministry. And, and you know, like, some of these things is what God has spoken to you. Like, it's not just a desire. You know God has spoken to you, but it's like there's resistance. And we said this, and this is a key two weeks ago. We said not all resistance needs to be resisted. Sometimes resistance needs to be listened to. Because God will resist the proud. And being proud, it's not necessarily being like bad or arrogant. Being proud just means something in my life is not surrendered to Jesus. And I have not laid it down. And until I lay it down, I will make no progress. Uh, and so the purpose of the wilderness is many faceted. But here's the first thing. And we'll just kind of major on this tonight. And then we'll see. We'll see if we can move on. But number one, why the wilderness? Number one, you're not ready. <laughs> it's kind of simple. But it's like here you see it. They're not ready for war yet. Like they are not ready for this. I have got to get them ready. And the, the truth of the matter is, for so much of us, uh, we have to take the time to get ready. Uh, a perfect example of this is Joseph. Joseph's high calling was to not just restore his family, but to save his family and to save a nation. And so Joseph is literally, he's got to, in his high calling, be a man that can govern a whole nation and save it from seven years of famine. That's his high calling in Jesus. That, that is who God made Joseph to be. From a young man, he dreams about it. Like literally, God shows it to him. And so he's there, but he's in a household that is just nice and kind, especially to Joseph. Joseph's getting everything that is want, everything he wants. His father's catering to him. He's not managing anything. He's not growing anything. He's not responsible for anything. His brothers are having to do all the work. And so God has this systematic span of events uh, where, like, you could blame his brother's jealousy for why he ended up in the pit, but you can't blame that for why he ended up in Potiphar's house. And he's in Potiphar's house, and the Bible says something amazing, that even in this house that was so far from what Joseph thought he wanted, the Bible says God was with him. 
And in Joseph's, or in Potiphar's house, Joseph raises to a place where he, is, he looks out and he's like, I am managing a whole household. I'm governing it. I'm structuring it. I'm coming up with a plan. I'm coming up with a purpose. I'm coming up with this. And then what do you see? You see severe inward testing. It's like when all of the servants are out of the house, Potiphar's wife goes crazy. And she had all, like literally, they, they tell us through scripture and like the theologians and like reading ancient texts, like Potiphar's wife, this is how crazy this woman was. She would invite other ladies to the house to watch Joseph work. That's how handsome Joseph was. And so Joseph is here having all of this happen and she pulls him aside one day and she's like, you will be with me. And he's like, no, I won't. Like, this is not right. He's like, your, your husband is my master has given me everything. But then he says something and this is, you got to get this. Then he says something very interesting. He said, how can I do this and sin against God? In this moment of private Um, sexual temptation, what is his mindset? I don't want to hurt God. Well, no one will know. The Lord will know. Well, no, no one will see. The Lord will see. And he has this deep conviction. I do not want to grieve God. I do not want to grieve the spirit of God. And so he says no, and he turns away. And and here he's done everything right. But in the middle of all of this, you see it all go wrong. And it's like, wait a minute, God, like I did everything right. I didn't do anything wrong. But Potiphar's wife got offended at that. And so she lies and says he tries to force himself on me. And, you know, Joseph in this moment is questioning, like, I didn't do anything. God, you gave me this dream. I'm keeping myself faithful. I'm keeping myself pure. What in the world is going on? And he finds himself in prison. But you know what the Bible says in prison? The Lord is with him. And in prison, all of a sudden, they put the prisoner in charge of the whole prison. And Joseph is managing a prison. What's, what's he doing? He's growing. He's learning how to manage. He's learning how to govern. He's learning how to put things in place. And for two years, he manages this until Pharaoh has a dream from God. Now, God could have given Pharaoh that dream any time, but he waited two years. Why? Joseph was not ready. And in your own life, you have to make a decision to to get ready and to present yourself as a vessel that the Lord can use. And if you don't ever present yourself as that vessel, it does not matter what your calling is. God will raise up another man to take your place, another woman to take your place. And you doubt that? Just ask Judas. Judas had a sin in his life that God tried to deal with him for literally years on, and it was greed. And he would not have that confronted. He would not have that dealt with, and he cost himself. And you read the book of Acts, it said, and let us find another man to take his office. You don't think it'll happen? Ask Saul. Saul literally watched another man take his office. What God had put him on the earth to do, another man did it in his stead. Why? Saul never got over his insecurities. Uh, Here, Judas never got over his greed. Joseph got over his immaturity. And when he saw his brothers and when the Lord did all of these things, you know what you see? Joseph be ready. He, he fully governs the nation of Egypt, and he fully restores his brothers. He releases them from all of their hurt and wounds and the things that they did because his heart was ready for that moment. 
And the wilderness is the place where God gets you ready. It's where he literally grows you up mentally, physically, spiritually. I, I had this moment where I was sitting in my father's chair. Like I had the exact life my father had. His office, his chair, his books. Went to the same Bible school, whole nine yards. And I'm sitting there in his chair. And I'm looking at all these books. And it dawns on me. I am trying to do what my father did without paying the price my father paid. I am trying to do what my father did without paying the price my father paid. And and my dad, like GD, drug addict, all those things, God supernaturally saved him. But when he got saved, he, he sold out to ministry. I mean, he went to every conference that he could. He read every book that he could. He listened to every tape that he could. In his books, you would pull his books off his shelves. That's how I found his journal. It's like, I'm so interested in his books. Because in the books were all these other books that he wrote. And I don't mean like he wrote books. Like in the book, he wrote what God was speaking to him in the book. And I'm not talking about one. I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of books. And you know, my father was the man that he was. It was not just because he was anointed or called or gifted. You're all anointed and called and gifted. Like each one of us different to do something particular, but so few people step over into it because they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to pay a price. Brother Dean Miller, who was on our our staff for many years, he's my dad's best friend at Bible school. They met at Bible school because they both went to work for the same company. Uh, They uh, did swimming pools. So like they dug out where the swimming pools would be before it was filled in with concrete. That was their job. And uh, they're there on the job the first day, and they're like, well, what are you here for? I'm from Minnesota. Where are you from? I'm from Mississippi. Like, what are you here for? Bible school. And they're like, what Bible school? And they told them, it's like, I go to that Bible school. And so they became close friends. Dean told me, it's like, before your father ever came back from ministry, he's like, every day he wrote a message. Every day he wrote a message before he ever started preaching. What is that? That's paying a price. That's getting ready. See, success comes when opportunity and preparation collide. It's God's job to get you the opportunity. It's your job to give God the preparation. And until I'm I'm ready, God will not bring the opportunity because even if he brought the opportunity, I would not be ready for it. And I'm looking at like my my father's um, uh, desk and I'm looking at his books. I'm realizing like God has given me an amazing opportunity, but I am not ready for it. I was reading that the scripture where, where Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I made a decision to put away childish things. And in that moment, I, I got rid of my my televisions I got rid of my, my Xbox, or I wasn't even an Xbox at that time, whatever video game system it was. I got rid of all those things, put it all outside, and I made a decision. I'm not getting any of it back until I've read every single book on these shelves. I've listened to every single tape in these, because at that time, cassette, anybody remember cassette tapes? We're, we're talking before CDs, people. It's amazing how fast technology advanced. I'm only 39. But anyway, the cassette tapes. Uh, and so, like, I, I had all these cassette tapes, and I went through and I listened to them all. And, and when I say these things, I, I can remember this, this moment so vividly. Um, when I, I made a decision to get all these things out of my house, I'm sitting in my father's office. I have my TV and all that by the side of the road. I was not mature enough at that time to give it to somebody. I just said I needed it out of the house as quick as possible, so I just decided to throw it away, and I set it out by the side of the road. But I never will forget the image of the, the trash truck pulls up, 
and they grab all the stuff that I took out of the house, and instead of throwing it away, they put it in the cab. And by no shape, form, or fashion do I say that to demean anybody who works in that industry. In fact, to this day, when any trash collector comes, I help them put in the trash because it's my trash. And any of those times, because I know a lot of these guys and their stories, uh, I always buy them lunch. I'm like, here's lunch. If I'm there, and I try to be there when they're there. In fact, many times, Monday, I try to make it my Sabbath. They come on Mondays. I try to wake up just where I can say hello. Uh, Because a lot of times people are hurting and they need life. But anyway, here's my point. Here's my point. Greatness is not out of your reach. But you have to make a decision to prepare yourself and to pay a price for that. Focus on who God has called you to be and sell out to it. Read the books. Study the lessons. you got the internet now. Like, there's nothing you cannot research or figure out. If you want to be a worship leader, like, you've got how many 500 million, I'm sure, videos you can go watch and listen to on vocal control. And then after that, you can learn how to play the piano. And then after that, you can learn how to play the guitar. Like, we have no excuse in a digital age. Uh, But so many people, they want it to drop in their laps. And God is looking for co-laborers. What does a co-laborer mean? It means you also do something. (laughs) Like the Lord works with you. He doesn't just work for you. And out of that, uh, God works with us by presenting the opportunities. But we work with God by bringing him the preparation. And I want to encourage you in your own life, like the world calls it adulting, the Bible calls it putting away childish things. But I want to ask you, uh, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put aside childish things? And the wilderness confronts that. The wilderness confronts the willingness to put away the childish things. Um, In the wilderness, it will slow progress down enough for you to come through in a moment of preparation and say, God, I want to surrender to you. Go over to 1 Peter. I'll close with this. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll look at verse number 10. Uh, 1 Peter is a wonderful book on this subject. First Peter 5 and verse number 10. Well, you know what? Let's go all the way up for fun. Two verse one. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. Um, Don't do anything for money. Um, basically, but with eagerness, because your heart is in it. Nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, he's talking to the pastors, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. That's a good scripture. Um, one of the things, if I could do a lot of things differently in my 20s, it would have been to do that scripture more. To find the generation above me, sit at their feet and say, tell me what I need to know. What do you wish you would have done differently? What did you do that you would do again? Coach me. 
submit to the elders. He, he, he says here, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Why? For God opposes the proud. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, notice, in proper time, not on your schedule, but on his in proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be sober in spirit, be on alert. You have an adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same experience of sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Now notice verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. When? After you have what? A while. Now, I thank God he didn't say a lifetime. But he said after you have suffered a while. And the problem with this is most people, they don't want any suffering. You know what everybody wants? Not everybody, not you, not, but everybody uh, else. Um, you know what we want? We want comfort. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go to the gym and suffer. We don't want to go to school and suffer. We want it as fast as we can. And we want to be comforted. Uh, But here he says, I want you to embrace something. I want you to embrace this season of suffering. Uh, I want you to allow it to refine you because after you've gone through it, you will come out better. You will come out strengthened. You will come out established. You will come out settled. And I want to encourage you in your own life. Are you paying the price to build the tower God has asked you to build? Uh, Are you wanting God to just like pray, I'm in the promised land? Or are you wanting God to develop you and to make you spirit, soul, and body who God has called you to be? I I went for a walk to pray. I like to walk and pray just a a few days ago. And uh, when I was, was walking and just fellowshipping with the Lord, Um, The Lord really dealt with my heart still how much I have left to accomplish for him. And honestly, for me, it's it's one of those things that um, is very interesting because I I genuinely don't want anything more. Um, In my own flesh, all of this is more than I ever thought it would be. And every time I get to do what I do, I stand so humbled that I get to do it. And that's the truth. And when I I see those things in my spirit, and, and this is what, like we began the service with, is the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. When you walk with the Spirit, He will work with your imagination. Uh, Old men will have uh, uh, dreams and young men will have visions. And he begins to work with this to show you things to come. What is the plan of God concerning you? 
And as I've been fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and just spending more and more time with him, he's begun making me lift up my eyes and to see what could be. And when I see it, I see it with almost in my own flesh uh, a tad bit of hesitation. Because I know the price it will demand of me. Uh, For Jesus, it was 40 days fasting. Uh, For the children of Israel, it was learning how to put aside disobedience and perfecting things within them. Uh, For Joseph, it was a prison, learning how to manage it. For David, it was a wilderness. Uh, But it's always testing to get to that next level because the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. Um, And so like Jesus, it's like, is there any other way than the crucifixion of the flesh? And if there is, let this cop pass from me. But let me just tell you, there is no other way. Your flesh has to die. Something has to be surrendered. But I tell you, we live in a generation that don't want to kill or eliminate an app. That's the truth. People don't want, they don't want to throw away the television. They don't want to eliminate the app. They, they, they'll get on social media and spend six hours a day there. And it doesn't even dawn on them. Like if we just spent like 45 minutes in prayer of like how much more progress we could make or like an hour reading about what God made me be and learning how to be a better version of that. Or like, God called me to preach, let me write the message. Or God called me, like John Maxwell, God called him to write. You know what that man does? He writes one page a day. And he said, I write for the trash can. Um, But he said, every day I write my page. How many other writers just don't write the page? But for us to get there, like we have to pay this price, which is always the crucifixion of the flesh. They're, they're, the cup will not pass from you. It'll, it'll, for you to get where God gets you, where he, he highly exalts you like he did Jesus, you have to drink from that cup. And you have to pay that price, the crucifixion of the flesh. And I want to encourage you to go on a journey to do it because as much as I look at it, And think like, Lord, if there is any other way (laughs) that cup pass from me. I stand here today on the other side of a wilderness. And without a doubt, it's been worth it. You've been worth it. And my past wildernesses, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But at the same time, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And maybe if you'll embrace yours and stop looking to get out of it or to go back to Egypt and sin, but just embrace what God has called you to be and drink from the cup of the crucifixion of your flesh and take up your cross and follow him, you'll look back maybe 20 years from now and say it. I'm glad I did. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your presence and your people. 
And Father, we just surrender ourselves to your will and to your plan. And Father, we ask and we pray tonight that you would prepare us for what you have prepared for us. Father, let us pay the price. Let us offer up the flesh so that the spirit may live. Let us yield to your voice and yield to your heart. And surrender, Lord. Let's close out service and song. I'll, I'll ask the worship team to, to come and just sing. And like, let's just seal this moment with the Spirit speaking to us about whatever he wants to speak to us about. You can stand if you want to. You can stay seated. You can kneel. This is not about uh, posture of the flesh. This is about a posture of the heart, just to surrender to him. But let's just allow the spirit a space to just speak to us about anything he may want to. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name.